Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Everybody to Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we have a very special guest with us today, uh, Kyle Crane from Jurassic Park Minute. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really excited to do this show tonight. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. I, I enjoyed um, listening to you and Brady do Ghostbusters and, and Jurassic Park. I'm um, Congratulations, by the way. That show just wrapped up uh, not that long ago. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it was we were sad to see it go, but all of a sudden I have this abundance of free time in my life, which I'm pretty sure you guys know about uh, uh, free time and and what it's like to spend all that on one of these shows. Considering you've, you're probably locked up for what the next like five years yeah, doing Harry I Potter. Think if we <laughs> yeah. didn't take any breaks, I think it would take uh-huh. us four and a half years to cover every every movie. <laughs> um, and so we'll we'll take a gap. We're gonna wrap this one. I think should be coming to an end in like June. And okay. I think our plan is to bring back a uh, Chamber of Secrets in November. Um, awesome for the fifteenth anniversary, so that'll be fun. And then we've got a fun uh, show planned over the summer that I don't think we've announced on this feed yet. So we're gonna save that. But future stuff coming up. Lots Very of pod- cool. Lots of podcasting. Um. Well, you guys do a great job here, so I, I can't wait to hear about your next oh, show. We appreciate it. Thank you Thank so you. much. What is um? What is your history with Harry Potter, Kyle? Do you like um the movies or the books or the? You know, that's, it's, that's a funny, I, I might have a different experience with Harry Potter than a lot of the other, um, hosts or, or guests that you've had on. Uh, I'm, um, I was born in the seventies, the very, very late seventies. So I might be a little bit older than the usual Harry Potter audience, which is kind of funny considering like when Harry, I remember when Harry Potter came out in like 2000, 2001, whatever it was yeah. when, uh, that started hitting stateside. There were a lot of adults that were way into Harry Potter that I thought was kind of crazy. And at the time I was in college and I was reading like A.M. Holmes and a lot of these like short stories and stuff. So whenever someone like came to me in one of my creative writing classes and like put the book down and they're like, you really need to read this. I was like, wait, this is like for babies, right? And they were like, no, this is this is good stuff. You need to read it. So I started reading it knowing the film was going to be coming Mm -hmm. out. And uh, I got the the first book is I want to say it's a it's. If you're a younger person with a lot of free time, I think it's an easier book to get into, but the action doesn't start until pretty late in that book. Yeah. And I remember reading through it and being like, you know what? There's a movie coming out. I'm just going to be the guy who's going to see the movies and not read the books. But I was taken with J.K. Rowling's uh, incredible imagination and her ability to draw parallels with things that happen in the modern world. I mean, this, this entire book is like, uh, is at least, excuse me, I have to say the film series because I'm not familiar with the books. I didn't read the books. It seems to be a analogy for fascism and what it's like to have a fascist group take over the government, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, it, it's, but it does it so in a way that, 
J.K. Rowling affected the current generation more than anybody has ever affected any generation. I can look at like the number of young people out there today, and I say young, but I'm talking about people like in their late 20s who started reading Harry Potter when they were a lot younger, and I can see the values that they have are drawn from this series of books almost as much as saying like the greatest generation, the you know the people who fought in World War II, drew most of their values maybe from like the Bible or something like that. So while I don't have an intense... Uh, knowledge of the books, and I really only have a surface knowledge of the films, I can appreciate the brilliance of J.K. Rowling and uh, her ability to affect a generation. And uh, But to get to the movies, um, I'm a fan of the movies. Uh, I, I think that they're very well done. I think the later films to to a great effect. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, funny, it's funny that you guys had me on for Christopher Columbus's uh, film because I have some thoughts about that too. Uh, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, for what he did to establish the look and the tone and the feel of these movies. But um, I, so I guess I guess what I'm trying to say with all this is I'm more of an outsider looking into the Harry Potter phenomena. Uh, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I think that what they did down in Universal Studios with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is nothing short of the greatest themed entertainment on the planet right now. And uh, I think that that probably is a little bit more where my expertise in the series is drawn from 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 that uh, from that uh, yeah. those, those rides and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, so I guess I'm a little bit more. I think you guys can have a lot to teach me. Uh, about Harry Potter in these few minutes, but uh, I, I appreciate it, but I don't think I have the great depth of knowledge that probably some of the other people who have been on the show have. Yeah, so. and I think I think um, what I'm re- I'm really excited to talk to you for these couple minutes that we're going to have you on because uh, because it is nice to have like another perspective on it. Um, for us, for me and Victoria, a lot of what we really like to dig into is kind of the kind of the story and the kind of what the characters are doing and sort of the motivation stuff. But we don't get to talk a lot. We don't spend a lot of time talking a lot about like what Christopher Columbus did. For for the direction of the movie or um we don't get uh, there's not a whole lot of the production stuff early on we got like first to hogwarts we had so many different like locations and things that we got to talk about but um i think these couple minutes coming up are on a set so i've got some cool things to talk about later yeah so that'll be fun too but it's always nice to have like a new uh someone who has like a kind of a new method for like digging at like the content that we're talking about you know like i'm excited i'm thrilled I think it'll be cool. <laughs> We've got some really good minutes coming up this week. Uh, big stuff starts happening here. And I think from here on to the end of the movie, it's, it's kind of picking up, you know, like we're, we're, this is kind of the, the beginning of the end, really, I think, mm-hmm. um, here yeah. in the Forbidden Forest. So today we're talking about minute 106. 106 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It starts with Hagrid uh, scaring, the, scaring the kids with tales of dead unicorns. And it ends with Harry, Draco, and Fang in the forest. Um, so last minute, the end of the week last week, um, the, the kids are in detention. And they're wandering the Forbidden Forest because Hagrid has a job to do. And it ended right when Hagrid had found a like a puddle of blood. He stuck his fingers in it and he said that this is what we're here for. Um, it's unicorn blood. And then the very, very beginning of this minute starts with him saying that he found one dead a few weeks ago. Um, and Victoria, I think I asked you last week, do you think he's, he's, we know that these unicorns are being drained for their blood. Like we'll find out a little bit more about why later, but something is like sucking their blood. Do you think this unicorn they found is like, like a husk, like just empty? Do you think that that he, like, he's killing a new unicorn every time? Blood. Yeah, wouldn't it be more practical? Like a vampire doesn't have to kill its prey; it That's can just true. keep feeding off of it. Right. Like, why doesn't he? Why didn't he just like capture a unicorn and just just keep feeding off of the same unicorn? Yeah. 
well, unicorns as big as a horse. How are you gonna hide a unicorn? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, like we already know at this point by watching it. Uh, and already watching it prior mm-hmm. knowledge yeah. that the person, the thing killing the unicorns is ultimately Voldemort. <gasps> Spoilers! Spoilers! And, uh, <laughs> so, and if he's attached to Quirrell, what, Quirrell's gonna have a unicorn, a unicorn hiding, hiding in his hiding office? In, I don't, I guess not. Exactly. But, so, <laughs> but it seems like a waste work. to, like, to kill, to chase down and kill a new unicorn every time. I, I, um, Maybe he is draining it of all his blood. He just needs that that much. much? Yeah, that would be scary. Could you imagine? Like, not only I would not want to see a dried up unicorn, a dead unicorn. But yeah, it's like oh, unicorn jerky. Oh no, Victoria, why? (laughs) That could be tasty. (laughs) It's magical. Are you guys? uh, Are you guys familiar with the uh, the famous tapestry called the Unicorn in Captivity? I don't think so. Oh. So it just, I, I don't know that it really could relate to this too much, but when you talk about the idea of like locking up a unicorn and feeding off of it, it just gave me this image of, it's like a, a uh, Renaissance era tapestry. It's a series of seven tapestries about unicorns that are famous. And the most famous of those is called the Unicorn in Captivity. And it is a picture of a unicorn uh, in a fenced in area and it's like chained up to a tree and it's Aww. one of the most famous tapestries in the world. Uh, if anybody's listening to this and they want to see it's a beautiful tapestry, but you I'm sure once you see it, you'll be like, Oh yeah, I've seen that before. Cause it's a, it's one of the famous things like, uh, if for whenever you're on a college campus and it's like the first week and they're selling like, uh, posters to put up in your yeah. dorm. There's, I think like every girl I knew in college had the, the kiss, uh, the famous print of that. And then the <laughs> unicorn in captivity under their two walls. Aww. And then maybe one of like a ballet troupe or something like that. But, it's funny when you said that, that makes the most sense because it seems like Voldemort would have to go out and chase this unicorn down and expend a lot of energy to try to suck its blood right. every time. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Having just come from a, the gym, I'm like, yeah, you need to continue to eat protein in order to move. So uh-huh. I imagine Voldemort would uh, continue to just use that unicorn blood over and over. So Yeah, we'll be doing him any good if he chased them down. We, we talked a little bit about it. Draco was afraid to come into the forest because he thinks there's werewolves out here. And right. when, um, when they, when Hagrid in the book first tells the kids that, that they're looking for a unicorn, that one had been found dead, Harry asks if a werewolf could have been killing the unicorns, and Hagrid's response is that it's not fast enough. That werewolves mm. are not fast enough, that, that it's not easy to catch a unicorn, they're powerful magic creatures, and he never, he's never known one to have been hurt before. So, I imagine that like, it's, it's, it must be, it's impressive to me that Quirrell and Voldemort are able to to hunt down and 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 kill more than one of these over the course of the months that he's been at Hogwarts. Yeah. Do you think do you think they've been that he's been killing unicorns like all semester like since since September like months ago? Hagrid just found one dead a few Maybe weeks ago. Maybe he had but- to wait until he was uh to that point, to that step. Of. Like, like, <laughs> Voldemort wasn't, he, he was the, I don't know, it's weird they're like, maybe you get it, maybe, uh, there's a, there's a black market and you can buy bottled unicorn, unicorn blood. blood. Oh, but now that he can't yeah, go the, to Yeah, the deep dark Hogwarts dark web, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, you know, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you, I bet you Nocturnally would have some, some Right? Like blood. some, uh, unsavory things yeah. that they maybe not, shouldn't mm-hmm. be selling. Yeah, I totally well, yeah, think Yeah, Morgan and Burks is like this shop that we see the couple times in, in, uh, later movies that, that has like dark artifacts. And I, I I feel that you could definitely find some shady person, shady wizard, whatever, mm-hmm. to sell you unicorn blood. But but now that they're at 
at the, the school. school. He's just chasing them down himself. He's like, well, there's unicorns in the forest right here in my backyard. That's like, kind of amazing. <laughs> just the idea. Like, how do you think he's catching these things? The big net. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I suppose he could use his wand, right? Maybe. Right. We see oh, Umbridge so cool. in, in the Can you, fifth movie. I was Umbridge shoots petrify. like, uh, she shoots like ropes out of her wand that bind up one of the centaurs. Do you remember that? Yeah. So maybe that's something like that where he's like, that, like I mean, I, I, I assume some you could like probably petrify it or maybe. Uh, oh yeah. Petrificus don't tell us like they use on, 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 uh, <laughs> on, on Neville later. Exactly. And, and the unicorn just top. Oh, poor unicorn. Oh, it makes like you think of those fainting <laughs> goats where they just stop like, as soon, like right away, just like fall over. <laughs> That's terrible to think about. I don't like that. uh, (laughs) Do we ever get any idea of how many unicorns exist in this forest? They're pretty rare, right? Yeah, it seems like they're pretty rare. We don't ever see any or hear any allusion to another unicorn after this Mm. book, even. So I don't know about, like... I don't think they're very populous. We don't even really know how big the Forbidden Forest is. Like, there's a lot that yeah. lives in the forest because right. big things. Yeah, big in the things. Forest. Hagrid's Acromantula, the giant spiders, and its whole family. There's herds of of centaurs. of centaurs. Later, Hagrid hides a giant in there. Yeah, and no one like yeah, this forest must be enormous. Well, it's off limits to any <laughs> of the students, technically. Technically, except for when they send them into the middle but of the I night. I feel like bad kids in like a public high school. Oh, like, sure. They're told not to go to something, and they're gonna do it. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, but that could be that could be bad. Like, who knows what's gonna happen when they go down there? Um, we haven't really talked anything about the actual minute, I suppose. <laughs> um, Hagrid Hagrid tells the kids that he found one dead a few weeks ago, and now there's this puddle of blood that they've seen. So he says that this one's been hurt badly. And then Harry kind of shifty eye, like looks at the forest and, and I didn't notice it until I played it like just, just now, but like only a couple seconds into this minute, when Harry looks out into the forest, you can, you can sort of see a silhouette moving between a couple of the trees and it's there for yeah. a second and then it's gone. And it's like, Oh, did, did you even see, did I even see that? I creepy stuff. I was looking at this, trying to watch it earlier, like getting prepared, and I was just watching the movie on my phone, and and I couldn't see it. Now that it's actually like blown up here on my computer, um, it's like almost center screen. Like you just sort of see the outline of the shadow hooded figure. He goes from one tree to another, and then he's gone. You don't see him anymore. It's yeah, it's very minimalist. Yeah. I, it was like a blink and you miss it type mm-hmm. thing. I didn't even remember it from seeing this movie, and I've seen this movie several times. But like watching it, I was like, was that edited in later? Like it's so subtle. But you know, it's funny because I guess when you're watching it in the theater, it's one of those little things that um, it it is a little on the nose. Yeah, you know, it's like Hagrid's telling him like there's something out here and we don't know what it is, and you see Harry just spot that. But it's kind of like that's the language. This movie is is an introductory movie mm-hmm. and it's made for a younger person to watch so that by the time you get to seven, you're mature enough to understand the themes that are going on. So there are a few things in this movie where there maybe somebody will mention something and you'll, they'll, fo- they'll focus like too long on Hermione thinking about something. Yeah. And it almost is just to tell the audience like, Hey, remember this, it's going to come into play later, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, it, it's just eerie enough though. When you see that cloaked figure moving through the forest, you're like, Oh, clearly that's the bad guy. And also I'm a little bit scared right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this is definitely probably the, I would call this. And then up until the moment we see Coral in front of the mirror, like this is probably the scariest part of the movie. Right. Like you're oh, in yeah, this easily. really deep, dark, scary mm-hmm. forest. And you're uh, just a kid. Yeah. And, and then, and then, <laughs> and then, and then I think, I think Hagrid does the bad horror movie thing and he's like, let's split up. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's always a great idea. Oh yeah, especially when you're an adult who's responsible for the safety of children. Yes. It's like why don't yeah. you guys go off and look for this There's vampire only one who's adult. hunting down Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of you one of the groups gets an adult with them, but the other one gets you know, a scared you guys. Scared dog. You gotta be on your own. Yeah. Uh when when Hagrid says uh, Ron, Hermione, you're with me. Like, Draco, before he even says, like, Draco and Harry, you guys are gonna go together, like, Draco knows exactly that, like, oh, this means I'm with Harry, and this look on his face is just this pure, like, oh, don't tell me, please. I don't wanna go. Like, why? Why? He's just like, well, fine, then I get Fang. I like how, like, fiery he is about it. But Fang's a bloody coward. <laughs> He's such a big dog. I love this and The wine. dog whines, like, mm-hmm. for, like, a while. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's such a great moment. Kind of like punctuates that. He's uh, like, I don't want to go in there just as much as no. you guys. <laughs> uh, He's like, I'm scared too. Right. And then we cut to like the two of them walking in the forest. Uh, uh, Draco has a lantern. Um, and he's saying, wait till my father hears about this. This is servant stuff. Uh, I think in the Classic book we talked Draco. about this. Yeah, Classic exactly. Draco. Well, first of all, I made my I made a note. If he says this is servant stuff, like, like what would you send house elves out there yeah, to investigate? Uh, his servant is killing? Dobby. Yeah. So no, you're gonna send house yeah. elves into the dark, scary forest to, to go investigate hunt- uh, what's killing well, unicorns. You know, Harry, get killed their Harry own does elves. give Dobby like some tasks later in, in later movies. They send creature it's after true. to find the person that has the Horcrux in the last one. Like, it's true. It's I pretty. Guess. Am I correct that the house elves are at, don't they have like an actual like immense power though? Aren't they? If they were unleashed, yeah. they'd be able to like rule the world. They or can something? do yeah. wandless magic. Um, we've seen them apparate in places where you're not supposed to be allowed to apparate. Um, hmm. There's and it happens. It happens in Deathly Hallows Part Two. They're trapped inside the uh, Malfoy Manor, and there's no way out. Like even though some of them have their wands, they still don't have any way to like apparate through the wards that are protected around the house. And then when Dobby shows up and is like, oh, I'm here to take you guys out, uh, Harry asks him, like, oh, you can apparate out of here? And he goes, well, of course, I'm, I'm an elf. Like, yeah, they get free range. Yeah. Is it because they're not recognized as a race? I don't know. We've had this discussion a couple that times on the show. Maybe, maybe because they're recognized only as creatures, mm-hmm. that there's not as much regulations on them. I, I well, yeah. Not only not only does 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 J.K. Rowling do a really good job of like it's all it's about like fascism and the rise of this power, but there's also a lot of like prejudice stuff that's dealt with and and sort of. Um, I don't know, just the kind of the relationships between, like, there's, I don't want to call it speciesism, but it's sort of like that, like, yeah. because they call, they refer to goblins in the beginning of this movie as beasts. Yeah, and they're not a race. Mm-hmm. That, that offends me. Yeah, it's kind I, of I, stuff. I feel like, like they're a race. I mean, they're walking, talking, they have jobs. I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. So, house elves into the Forbidden Forest, I don't think is a good idea. No. <laughs> this is not certain. I feel stuff. like because they're expendable. Aww. Draco, you're such a bad guy. I think, I think that's exactly why he said that, is because at, at this point, house elves are seen so low that, of course, you'd send them to go do something dangerous because mm-hmm. they're expendable. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah, you just replace them with a new house elf. Oh, we just get a new one. Go to Nocturne Alley and buy another one. Oh, yeah. That's messed <laughs> right? Oh, that gives me horrible mental the, images. The, the, yeah. the, the Black family, like Sirius Black's family, mm-hmm. uh, I think their house elves have been, or like, 
have been like generations of house elves, right? Yeah. Isn't Creature like one of a long line of elves that have served the House of Black? Yeah. That like they have um the it's, heads of the deceased house elves on the wall. It's really morbid and I don't like it's, it. It's very um it's very slave like. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, uh, like I can imagine like oh you're going to be like here they are on the stage and you're auctioning them off like <sighs> like it's awful. I'm like that's an Ooh. awful image. And like like you said they're brought down the same thing like you were the family of like those slaves mm-hmm. would like come down and you would they would stay with that family. Yeah. And it's just like, this is awful. I don't like any of this. Oh, I'm so glad that they free Dobby in the next one. I know. It's sad that we don't get, we don't get a lot of house elf stuff. In it's the, the uh, emancipation of, of elves. <laughs> of house elves. That's what, uh, that's Hermione's um little... Right? At Spew. Spew. Yeah, she forms a little club in the books later on to like free the house elves of, of, of Hogwarts. I don't I free- love the name, Spew. Spew. Yeah, Spew. <laughs> uh, I, I always forget what it stands for. <laughs> right. I can't help you because I always forget it as well. It's the something protection for elvish warfare. Yeah, I don't remember the S. Oh, it's going to bother me, but I don't. Have to, <laughs> I'm not going to look it up. Um, I love Harry's response. So, so Draco's like, "This is servant stuff," and Harry's like, "Well, if I didn't know better, I'd say you were scared." <laughs> yeah. And then we get the first delivery. Instigator. We get the first delivery ever of the line, "Scared Potter." Which I love because in this case, it's not like him asking like, oh, are you scared? It's, it's, you think I'm scared? <laughs> Which I really like. He's like, I'm not scared, Potter. And then, and then you get and that's another- kind of his catchphrase in the series. Yeah, right? yeah. It becomes something that yeah. we hear a lot. Uh, but I like because the, the this particular connotation, it's referring to like, it's in reference to himself rather than the other way around, I think. He's mm. usually later, he's using it as like an intimidation. Um I think in the next movie, it happens right before they duel for the first time in, uh, when Harry speaks to the snake and, um, he asks Harry if he's scared and Harry goes, you wish. (laughs) (laughs) So sassy. So sassy. I love it. I love that right when, right when, when he says like, I'm not scared, he like turns around like he hears something. (gasps) He's so jumpy. It's. I like, I kind of like Little Frightened Draco, because it doesn't happen ever. Yeah, no, hardly yeah. ever. It's nice, it's nice and, to see know, without his goons. With him as such a young actor, too, it's, he was very, I mean, it's, it's great casting in this movie. I think that uh, Daniel Radcliffe kind of grew into the character in mm-hmm. other movies, but Draco was firing on all cylinders from the very beginning. And <laughs> I, I don't know the actor's name, but he was definitely wary enough to have that vulnerability to show the insecurities that created Draco, made him the character that he is, you know? So in, in this scene, just a little something like that is, you know, him and Christopher Columbus working together to really sow the seeds for what that character would become. And it's, it's, it's really kind of sucks too, because he's such a great bad guy that you hate him so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to see him in any movie where he's not playing like a, a despicable villain, but I'm sure he's probably got a full range of <laughs> yeah, characteristics absolutely. he could do in movies, but. Oh, he did such a good job. I, when we first saw him, um, when we, when we got to Hogwarts, oh my gosh, like an hour ago at this point, I think, um, my, my only note was just Draco. Yes. Like I, (laughs) I, he's, he's this character that you love to hate, but like now going back and watching these movies, I'm just like, oh, I love you so much. He's such a great, he's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a great antagonist, I think. And, and he's like complex. He's not just like, this kind of brutish bully character, but, right. um, 
he has we we get we've got a lot of really good Draco moments because not only do we get him scared here, but in the first class with Snape and Snape is telling the kids like th- these are the things I'm going to teach you in the class like how to bottle fame and brew glory and he's like enraptured with it he's like really taken in by it and the only person we see have a reaction shot in that scene is Draco and uh, I think it's cool that we get we get moments like that especially since we're breaking this down minute by minute where we can really be like oh like he gets so much to do in this particular moment here Um, yeah it's a lot of fun I think I think we're coming up at the end of the minute though says, did you hear that? Oh, um, Victoria, did we talk about werewolves in the forest last week? Do you remember? We did. Okay, well, never mind. Then I guess I'm not going to talk about werewolves. But we do get another howl here. <laughs> and it, it still makes me wonder, like, if there's werewolves just like, if these are regular wolves and he's just mistaken, or are there actually werewolves, like feral people living out in the... I feel like that's... I mean, it could be a thing, but I just feel like that's not as common. Like, it's definitely got to be regular wolves. Well, yeah, because I think that... that werewolves only turn you only turn into a werewolf on like the full what? moon yeah like once a month? Month? which is yeah. like once a, a month a few times a year so the rest of the time you're a person so you're just a wild like just a wild uh, person uh, like uh like a the person raised in... by wolves like isn't that like the uh <laughs> stereotype so. right maybe <laughs> do 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 you feel so comfortable with wolves that you go find a, a wolf Running family around and just go hang out and... with them i don't know i don't, I don't know. think it works that way i don't think so either i think the wolves will attack you well, they're 11, so I can, of course, he's scared of the, the howling of some mysterious I mean, at 11 years old, like, you're scared of all kinds of things that are, like, uh, not necessarily things that you should be scared of. Yeah. Look, Irrational I'm 40, things. and the idea of werewolves still kind of scare me a little bit, so, <laughs> I would you know, not it's be perfectly okay normal. walking through the dark <laughs> like this, no. Oh, no, not at all, not at <laughs> no, all. No, no, as an adult, walking through that forest that's that dark, as much as dark as it is, mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I with think I'd have a problem with it. And Fang. And and Fang, yeah. the, the coward. <laughs> yeah, dog. he's not going to do you any good. No, <laughs> my my no. my cat would do more than this dog would. Now. Aww. <laughs> I know he just immediately runs away, right? It's he like, and Draco fight the worst. Like, it's hilarious. There's something very endearing a, about it, though. It's cute. Um, in the book, we talked about this a little bit when we first saw uh, when we first saw Fang when Crystal Beth was on a couple weeks ago. Um, in the book, it says that Fang's a boarhound, which we mm-hmm. found out is a Great Dane. And you made a Scooby-Doo reference. Do you think that him being a, a scaredy-cat dog is Scooby-Doo reference? Is like, Scooby-Doo is that what reference? she's doing? Oh, I suppose it could be. I didn't really think about that. But then as soon as we were, like, talking about him, like, hightailing it, which we'll see in tomorrow's oh God, That's minute, something Scooby-Doo does. That's yes, exactly something uh, Scooby-Doo would do. Ro-ro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scampers <laughs> off into the woods. Yeah, you see the... Uh... And it's... it's kind of that comedic dichotomy too you know his name is fang, fang. You, know, you think like a giant dog named fang it's like oh this guy is going to take care of everything and big old like you know dog. usually happens like the bigger dog the, the bigger the dog is 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 more of a lap dog mm-hmm. than a little dog you know that we get they the bigger they are the bigger of a baby they are yeah that's all fang is the big baby he's such a i just want to love on him though <laughs> oh he's so great he's just this big mastiff and oh so gorgeous. I like the artwork of portraying him as the Great Dane oh, yeah. a lot better than the Mastiff. Um, I, Mastiffs are cool and all, yeah. but the Great Dane makes it. I didn't even know that it was a Great Dane until I until we were doing this show. Like I had seen, um, I hadn't had the illustrated edition yet, and I didn't look at that. But like, you'll it have says to share in the book. that picture. I love that picture. Yeah, of, of Fang inside the uh, the illustrated edition. It's super cute. We'll share it to the facebook page i guess yes cool um in that case 
I think that was everything in this minute. We get one last shot of the kids walking through the forest and we just see like their silhouettes against the kind of blue foggy background. Yeah. Which I really like. I, they do a lot of good stuff with like blue lighting in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, if anything else is, is a masterwork in tone and setting, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just about all this is shot in these gigantic sets. And I I don't, was it, did they shoot this at Pinewood studios or was this in Los Angeles at the Warner brothers? Uh, Do we have any information? uh, on that? It is at, um, the Warner Brothers Studios in Leavesden in okay. uh, the UK. Uh, it's the same okay, studio yeah. that they shot um, some of Attack of the Clones on, I found out recently. <laughs> Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And, you know, to recreate this forest in there, when you're watching it and you kind of look at the edges of the screen, you can tell, okay, this is not a real forest. You know, they didn't shoot this in a real forest. But this is a soundstage that has been, you know, the, the lighting and the fog and mm-hmm. the trees and everything are all handcrafted in there. In the later Harry Potter movies, they got to a stage where um, – our phase, I guess, where CG had just become not, not predominant, but uh, an enhancement for stuff. Yeah. You know, like this movie is very much the camera set up. It's pointed directly at what we're looking at and we're just using fog and stage lighting. It's almost like theater type setup, mm-hmm. you know, and then two movies after this, it's half, you know, CG on green screen. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing because I think if any movie perfected that look, it was maybe Mike Newell's take on the Harry Potter movies. Every frame of every shot is, is enhanced in, you know, the colors have been yeah. corrected and stuff like that. This one's probably the most pure camera set, uh, set up going on. And I think these minutes really represent probably the most pure aspect of that. And it's, it's effective just, just as much here as it was, you know, in Victorian England at a stage play, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, it's, it really works really well. You know, the music, the lighting, everything. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, we talked about it a bit, but um, Chris Columbus really, really wanted to do as much practically as they could. Um, so there's right. only a handful of, of, of like, straight CG stuff in this particular movie. I think it's the troll and Quidditch are the big mm-hmm. ones. Well, fluffy. There's a few moments, but, but as much as mm-hmm. they could do practically, they did. And so you do have a lot of these, like I'm thinking just a lot of really great set pieces. This one I like a lot. Um, I think the edges of the forest, when we see it from, I, there was some Chris Columbus on the director commentary said that they had shot some stuff like at night in a forest, but I couldn't find a lot of information behind the scenes about it. But I know that here mm-hmm. approaching where they're going to find Voldemort tomorrow, um, is all built like on the studio and, and this one. And then I think like the room that we found the mirror in a few weeks ago, where it's just, it's very blue. It's very dark and still it's kind of empty. It definitely is just like a, yeah, I, 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 thinking of it as a stage piece is really fascinating. I didn't really consider it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely in, in stage, uh, blue cells are, are heavily used to, to try to give the effect of night. Yeah. So it makes sense oh, yeah. for them to use yeah, a lot definitely. of blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, buying cells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've had Their gel budget on this movie is, is outstanding. <laughs> right? Amazing. Cool. Okay. I think that was all my notes for today. How do you guys feel? Uh, yeah, I feel great. Yeah. yeah. This, this is um, a couple of great minutes from the movie. I think the one tomorrow is the one that I'm really excited oh, about because I really stoked. want to talk about this, you know. Well, I guess I'll save it for that minute. Yeah, we got to <laughs> save it. We've got some good stuff. We got some really good stuff tomorrow. I am pretty excited. Cool. In that case, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Would you, Kyle, like to let people know where they can find you? 
Absolutely. Uh, like uh, Gary, like you said earlier, we had a couple of podcasts that are, have both ended. Uh, we're kind of on hiatus right now, kind of not. Uh, I am with my brother Brady. Uh, we represent Pele Media. That's the name of our group. And we did Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute. Both of those have wrapped up. You can find the full uh, run of those shows on iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher, wherever you listen to quality podcasts like Harry Potter Minute. And you can also find our show, which is still running right now, Goonies Minute. That's going to wrap up in a couple of weeks. My brother Brady does that with his friend Chris. And uh, that shows a lot of fun. We also have a Patreon set up where we talk at length about stuff like kind of like you guys do on uh, on your Patreon show. Uh, and our website, the Patreon for that is patreon.com slash Pele Media. We do one show a week uh, if anybody wants to check that out. But uh, yeah, if you like the Jurassic Park Ghostbusters or the Goonies, I recommend uh, you check out those shows. Uh, you can find us at on Facebook at Harry Potter Minute. And you should join our Facebook Harry Potter Minute and the Listener's Army, which is our little closed Facebook group that we have discussions with. With the listeners of the show. Uh, that's always a good time. You can join us tomorrow for minute 107 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed.